Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield. And this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello and welcome to the Ministry of Arts, episode 218. Firstly, as ever, thank you to our Patreon supporters. Without that support, we would not be able to produce this podcast, that is for sure. And the Ministry of Arts on their Instagram profile has a Linktree drop-down box. And there is a little feature there where you can buy us a coffee, which is just a one-off payment to show a little support. And if not, that's absolutely fine, because as ever, this content is free for everyone. Well, if you've been listening for some time, you'll be well aware that every year we partner with the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week and Trail and speak with their participating artists. We've spoke to such people as Zach Ove, Lisa Vandy, Richard McNess, Sakuri Douglas Camp, Jan Skates, we recorded that on the King's Road itself, where he had a flower installation. And uh, they're all sculptors. Who can we have who was a painter? Uh, Kipling Hunt. Kipling Hunt was last year. And it's always a really special group of artists. And if you don't know of the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week, um, you can start by going over to Instagram and following them over there, which is KCAW London. And it pretty much is what it says on the tin. It's an art week in the London borough of Kensington and Chelsea, consisting of various exhibitions, installations and events. And then there is the art trail. There's installations dotted about all around the borough. And as you can imagine, being in that borough, some of them can be found in some really special places, like Holland Park, Kensington Palace Gardens. That's a day out on its own, right? But anyway, the Kensington and Chelsea Art Trail starts on the 15th of June and that runs through the length of the summer. And the Art Week opens on June the 22nd and runs until July the 2nd. And as I say, for more info, go over to KCAW London on Instagram. Well, today we're talking to architect stroke artist Peter Morris, who is one of the KCAW artists. Now, this was recorded a little while ago and his artwork in question hadn't yet been cited. And although its temporary home hasn't yet been decided, 
I have seen the artwork. And wherever it goes, it's going to look stunning. I don't know, though, if it is an architectural piece of sculpture or a sculptural piece of architecture. Once the art trail starts, you can go and visit it and make your mind up for yourself. And until then, please come with me to meet architect, sculptor and all-round lovely chap, Peter Morris. That's a cool studio you've got there. Thank you very much. Yes. I display all my little models and objects and stuff. Perfect. Perfect. Everyone has a studio at home nowadays. I have one yeah, myself. Yeah, they do. Yeah, since COVID. Peter, I have seven questions I ask each artist. Yeah. How would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? Uh, yeah, it's funny now I'm being called an artist because... Um, I'm more known as a as an architect and interior designer, um, and but before I was an architect, I guess I was an artist uh, yeah. because my thing has been drawing all the way, and uh, I'm an I'm a doodler. I just constantly doodle, Brilliant. and everything I do starts with a drawing. Um, so I guess yeah, my sketchbook is the most important bit of the office equipment that I've got and all the ideas go into the sketchbook. It's all through drawing. Uh, and I, on holiday, I draw, you know, so it's just, so I guess I could have been called an artist before being an architect. Um, so you wear, you've got several hats that you wear. Yes. And you're wearing a beautiful one today. <laughs> what, yes. um, which is your most often used hat? Yeah, I guess it would be uh, the architect, but you know, there's several hats within the architect's of hats. Course. Really, of course. you know, you you can be technical, uh, you can be the sort of creative one, uh, you can be the communicator, the the sort of winner of jobs, and the sort of communicator, and you know, so being an architect, you have to wear all of those hats. Yeah, really, and get used to putting different hats on for different jobs. So I'm quite accustomed to that and um, seem to be wearing the artist hat a bit more. Good. Lately. Did you have creativity in home growing up? Uh, no, no, it was, uh, we were a very working class sort of family. Nobody had been to university, nobody had done art. Um, my mum's mum uh, used to draw on the back of envelopes. They were quite nice, nice little drawings. Uh, but yeah, that, that she was the only one who did a little bit of drawing, I guess. And what did your parents do, if you don't mind me nosing? Yeah, sure. Uh, yes, my mum uh, worked in a factory and my dad was a farm worker. Oh, brilliant. Um, yeah. Oh, and what part of the country was home? Uh, that we started off in the Midlands and then sort of worked our way towards the Cotswolds. No, uh, nice. And yeah, I was a country bumpkin. Uh, <laughs> you know, so never lived in a city or a town until I went to university, I guess, which just totally blew my mind, I think. Where was it that you moved to for university? Uh, Plymouth. 
Oh yeah, nice. A good yeah. place to be. Yes, yeah, yeah. It was a it was a great experience. Uh, it was the only college that, or university that would take me. But <laughs> <laughs> we've had a couple on here who have been to Plymouth University as well. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, it was quite. Yeah, it was a great experience. Um, yeah, had a great architecture department. Um, did the first bit in Plymouth, and then the second bit at the Royal College of Art in London. Oh, okay. Yeah, that you do a degree course first, a Bachelor of Arts, and then uh, you take a year out because it takes seven years to become an architect, oh, which wow. is crazy. Yeah, wish I'd have known that at the start. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then you do a yeah an MA for the next two years. Um, Got so, you. Like you said, you was a country bumpkin, as you said, <laughs> moving into Plymouth, which was quite a, a, a change for you. And then yeah. how was it going from Plymouth to London? Because that's a huge leap again, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's kind of why I'm doing this sculpture for for uh, Kensington and uh, Chelsea Art Week, uh, because I moved from Plymouth to... Um, the Royal College of Art. I mean, I applied at the Royal College of Art and I never thought I'd get in, you know, so yeah. many of my heroes have gone there. So it really was like winning the lottery. For the first year, they give you halls, you're in halls of residence yeah. and it was on the King's Road. You know what yeah. I mean? Wow. So um, expectations were quite high the first year and then it just went downhill from there really <laughs> uh -huh. then you have to find your own accommodation and then you're yeah. sort of in in zone six somewhere so but going from any road in Plymouth no disrespects to Plymouth and yeah. then you know next thing you're on, on the King's Road that's yeah. that's quite a hike right I know yeah it was it was massive um Chelsea and Kensington is so beautiful you know all yeah. the lovely little pink and blue sort of colorful houses and everybody's also beautiful the parks are beautiful then all the students were amazing as well I mean that's yeah. what you know you you go from being at the top of the class to the bottom of the class really, you know, <laughs> yeah. sort of like the talent that was at the RCA that I was knocking around with was just amazing and, yeah. and inspirational um yeah, they, they get the big fish from several different ponds, don't they? Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to go there. My initial reason for going there was because I just thought, oh, it'd be great to try loads of these things out in the um, in all these different departments. Um, so weirdly, I didn't do much architecture. I did, like, sculpture, pottery, fashion, illustration, printmaking... <laughs> And um, had a great time. <laughs> Is that what led you down to the interior design path, do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that would have been, yeah. And I mean, it's it's funny, interior design and architect, um, they shouldn't really be separated, really. You know, I, I wouldn't want to design a building from the outside and then not design the inside. And yeah. um, I wouldn't want to just do the interior either, you know. So it's, it's a funny... I don't quite understand why we separate them. Um, I guess an architect, you, there's a bit more sort of stuff where the building might fall down and kill somebody. You know, <laughs> a, bit more, a bit more serious <laughs> than interior design. But. 
And what did you do in your year out? You mentioned that there was a, you had a year out in between. Yeah, yeah. I had a year out and uh, I worked for one of my tutors. And oh, that's cool. Yeah. And that's kind of when I got interested in other things, um, making other things. So, yeah. you know, I worked for my tutor, but then I, at the weekends, I just uh, make things. Um, and so I would make coats and things. Um, I started to get into uh, slam poetry, which nice. is very, I sort of have sometimes I have the, you know, I, I really like going into lots of other things and making things but sometimes the ambition is too much for the, for the ability <laughs> that I have. You know? Oh man, I know that feeling. I and know I'm, that feeling in yeah. so many events. And I, I sometimes, I just don't think that I'll be bad at it. You know, I just yeah. think, yeah, I can do that. You know, what's, what, you know, that's easy being a slam poet. And, um, and I'm totally dyslexic. Brilliant. So it was, um, you know, being a dyslexic, uh, and you know, thinking you could write poems and perform them. Um, <laughs> I had some quite bad sessions, I can tell you. Did you did you actually perform them as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We ah, oh, see, that's the difference. When you've got me in front of you and you think you're good, the audience yeah. tells you otherwise, don't they? No, that's right, that's right. And I I sort of had this idea. I thought, okay, my my sort of uh, unique selling point, I guess as a slam poet will be that I can't spell. And so I would, uh, I would purposely uh, write these poems with bits in there that weren't correct. Yeah. And, um, but then I realized it's, it's quite difficult to, to show that when you're performing. Yeah. Because it's, you can see it when it's written down, but when you perform it, it sounds the same. And so it didn't, <laughs> Didn't really work. <laughs> <laughs> so you had um, Plymouth, a year of doing many a many a different thing, and then architecture yeah. at the RCA. Yes, one of the reasons why I think I got into the RCA was um, I made a coat in my year out, and um, it was this. Um, I took this yellow rain mac, this beautiful yellow rain mac. And I sewed scrubbing brushes on the inside. And yeah. these and they were all meant to be in very sort of sensitive positions. Brilliant. And um and enjoying my interview, it was all the interview was okay. And they was were you, sorry, was you wearing it or showing it? Um I wasn't wearing it. I had it in a little bag. Okay. And so I, I did the you know, uh, interview, showed them my work and, you know, it was going well. And they said, have you got, have you got anything else to show us? We're, you know, we're wrapping it up. And I said, I pulled out this doctor's bag Brilliant. and then pulled out this big coat. And it was called the housewife's going out coat. Excellent. And they all had a try on and uh, they were just in fits of uh, laughter. Excellent. And I thought that's either gone really well or really badly. Yeah, there's no grey area in between, is there? No, no. <laughs> so that's what got me into the RCA, I think, making Brilliant. a coat. 
Yeah. Please tell me you've still got it. <laughs> it's in the loft somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And so you leave um, the RCA. Yeah. What happens to Peter Morris the day after? Yeah, I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to set up by myself, really, because I was doing exhibitions at the RCA. You know, they would just have exhibitions on all the time, and the plan was to do a few exhibitions with them and then set up by myself. But I was absolutely broke when I left, and so I just had to get a job. Brilliant. I was quite glad that I did get a job, um, you know, because you, I still needed to learn a lot. Um, and you, it's better, I think, to learn under somebody else's insurance rather than your own. <laughs> <laughs> And obviously, or I presume, that was a architectural firm that he was working for. Yes, I, although I did, I sort of got a bit bored of architecture and I wanted to do exhibition designs. And um, so I worked for um, an exhibition design company called Land Design Studio. Okay. And they were an amazing practice. And... Um, yeah, it was designing things for museums and things. So, you know, a lot of storytelling and, um, you know, it was all the interior mainly, and but just to tell a story and a, and a narrative within, yeah. the, within the design. Um, and that was an amazing experience because uh, it was so much more creative, than necessarily than what architecture yeah. sometimes can be, you know. Um, and it was also a sort of sign of the times, really, that it sort of, I didn't necessarily choose it. That is kind of what the um, work was available. So that was around the sort of millennium time and just huge amounts of money were being spent on the dome and museums yeah, yeah. by the new Labour Party. And then that work dried up. And uh, of course, New Labour's new uh, mantra was then education, education, education. And I then started designing schools oh, wow. for architects. So yeah. It's, yeah, it's funny how your sort of career goes. I think, you know, it's intrinsically linked with the context and the political scene and the, and, you know, the market and, um, and then I'd, so I designed schools and libraries and things like that. And now I do, I set up by myself and I do people's homes. Um, How long have you been set up by yourself, Peter? Uh, about 12 years now. Nice. Yeah. And how would you go about like getting your first customer? Cause I can imagine that yeah. being bloody terrifying for you. And if yep. the customer is aware of that, that's quite a little <laughs> faith for them as well. Yes, yes. It, that is the hardest thing, I think, setting up by yourself is getting the first job. I can imagine. And the first job came from a family friend uh, for me. And uh, it was, and I was still working for another company. And I got the job and it turned into an actual job. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll leave. And then that lot, that job lasted for about six months. I, I, and I literally got 
a new job, a second job, uh, six months after I'd started the first one. Brilliant. And, you know, then never looked back, really. You know, it's sort of, I was very, very lucky, I think. Yeah, I can imagine that first one being quite treacherous and, and yes. you, yeah, you've got so much pressure on yourself on the first one because you're proving it to them and to yourself. Yes, yes, absolutely. And um, you're you're right. I mean, I didn't want to jump without a job. I mean, I, I know friends that have done that and that's exceptionally brave. Um, but that very often doesn't work. But yeah, uh, I left with a job to go to. Uh, then I absolutely loved it, you know, is because, you know, design is a very personal thing. They're like, it's a well-used term, but they're like one of your babies, you know, yeah, you sort yeah. of each project and it, it gets very personal and um, it just doubled or tripled that enjoyment of Brilliant. it actually is nobody else's but yours. Yeah. You know? And did you do both the in and the out of the first job? Uh, yes. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, and has, has that been the case with every job since or...? Do you just prefer doing both? Yeah, I prefer doing both. And and it some people will get you to do the interior, lots of the interior, and other clients will do it themselves. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it really varies job to job, but I'll always have something to do with the interior. It's a it's a funny thing designing people's homes, you know, because I've designed, like I was saying, museums exhibitions, libraries, youth centres, but designing somebody's home is, it, it, it's totally different because that's where they go home to relax with their loved ones. Yes, you know, where they have their kids, you know, and it's where you feel safe. And so there's a lot more sort of um, interaction with the client uh, for, for their home. You know, when I'd be designing libraries and youth centres, the first design would generally always get um, accepted. Oh, nice. And the first design never really gets selected uh, for a house. You know, okay. you have to work through lots of iterations with houses because it's such a personal thing. You know, when you're doing a library, the person who's working there, yeah, they're going to work there, but they don't live there. So yeah. you say, oh, I'm going to make your toilets all out of yellow tiles. And they go, yeah, okay. When you get it right, it's really rewarding. And because you know that it's the stuff that I really love. I love that sort of just designing parts of the everyday stuff of life. You know, going to a library, yeah, how many times do you do that? you know, once six months or once a month. Yeah. But you you go home every day and, and it's that sort of, I love everyday kind of rituals and, and habits. And yeah. I can drop a little joy bomb in that sort of mix of yeah. you going to get your toast and then pick up your cup and then go to the fridge and those small it things just flows, yeah, yeah. Those small things have a big sort of impact on people, and, and, and when it works, and the client says to you at the end that 
they absolutely love their house and it's transforming their lives. Brilliant. Yeah, people think about stuff being designed and it's functional. Yes, things have got to function well, but you also need an element of joy in there yeah. as well, as well as being functional. Yeah, most definitely. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Which one that you've created, Peter, has, has got the strongest emotional connection with you? Um, well, I'm designing a house at the moment, which is not, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to mention this because it's not built yet, but I'm designing my own house and designing that has given me a huge amount of joy because I'm doing it for my family. But a project that I've built before, um, that's a good one. Why you said you don't know if you should mention it or whether you could mention it? Was there a reason that you can't mention it? And I'll cut up. No, no. Uh, just it's not built yet. Oh, okay, it's, that's fine. It's called the Cloud House, and it. Uh, oh, is that going to? Sorry, is that going to be no. your home? Yes, because I've seen that, and it is absolutely stunning. When I opened up the image that you sent, and it was in between two conventional houses, that yeah. sat in the middle. Yeah, beautiful. If you could explain it and then carry on with the, the answer, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it, it's where I live at the moment. It's got a little Victorian house on there. Um, and uh, all the other houses next door are sort of four stories high. Yeah. And ours is a little two-story Victorian house. And there's a garden plot next door which is very conveniently shaped the size of a house. So nice. we're building two new houses. We're going to knock down the little Victorian one and we're going to build two new build uh, semi-detached houses. And it looks like a fairy tale pink palace with Brilliant. pink arches and turquoise window frames and a turquoise metal roof. And it, was inspired by a church over the road and I've always been interested in churches and the arches within churches and when you look further into the detail of churches with arches they're just arches everywhere you, yeah, you yeah. see them on the door and then the windows and then some of the structure but then you see them in the handle and then the tile on the floor and then the the layout on the plan and everything is an arch. So I always wanted to design a building that everything was an arch, you know, and uh, there, there it is. Yeah, that's, that's how I designed it and chose a sort of pale pink because my wife loves pale pink and she used to paint her timber floors on a inner houses pale pink and then we chose the sort of turquoise because we had our honeymoon in miami brilliant and we 
are being filmed by Grand Designs. So, oh, how super is that? That should be good. Yeah, brilliant. And how long's the build? What would it be like? Eighteen it months. Be, yeah, yeah. You mentioned that you've you, you started in an art course and you've always enjoyed art. Have mm. you created art throughout your practice? Yeah, well, it's never really seen the light of day very much. Uh, it's only really been for friends and family. Um, but I'm always making new things. Um, and at college, I was making sort of art, if you'd like. Um, I remember one thing I made, which was we went to... Um, we went to Blackpool to do a study trip in Blackpool and a uh, really interesting place. But we went there on the day after the last day of the fair, oh, you know, yeah, if you like. Yeah. So it's sort of you go when everything's sort of turned off and sort <laughs> of, and you know, and you could still smell the popcorn and the, yeah, the yeah. sort of gunpowder from the fireworks or, you know, the, the sort of the smoke and the sort of, and all the rubbish is out and and that that was sort of really sort of fascinating this sort of the day after the party and um for my presentation i invited people to come along to do like a performance and uh people came along and they were allowed to put on some shoes and then a mask um and i sort of turn them into Elvis for, for, a, for a couple of minutes. <laughs> so they had a, a, a mask of Elvis on. Yeah. So you could do the famous Elvis dance. Yeah. I've got these roller skates, took, them, <laughs> took the wheels off, painted them in blue glitter, and then put bed springs on the bottom. Brilliant. And then, Brilliant. I'd read out some Elvis lyrics and they'd wobble their legs. And <laughs> that was it. Superb. <laughs> Did you film it? Yeah. Uh, there's some photos taken of it. I wish I had have filmed it. Yeah, I, it didn't go down very well with my architectural tutors. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, where's the architecture? Brilliant. So it didn't go down quite as well as the uh, yellow jacket? No, no, it didn't. No. Do you make maquettes for your yeah, make, um, buildings? Yeah, I make models. Um, there's lots of them sort of behind me. Yeah, um, I used to make lots of cardboard models, and um, but now I draw in 3D as well. So they're kind of... Nice. Uh, yeah, they don't really happen anymore, which is a bit of a shame. Um, but... Yeah, because it's so quick to draw in 3D now and then present yeah. it to the client. You, you know, I, I tend to not make them anymore, but I used but to. I've been into a few people's houses and um, several buildings where you do have the scaled model of the house or the building. And yeah. something quite fascinating and eerie about seeing the building you're in in a very, very small scale yeah, it's it's a it's a similar thing that I've done with for the sculpture for Kensington and Chelsea Art Week. It's a scaled down version of the Cloud House, and um, it's going to be a Wendy House version of the Cloud House. Oh, okay. Once, if nobody buys it after the exhibition, <laughs> yeah, it'll become my office. So it'll, 
when I build the cloud house. So it'll be just what you're describing as a yeah. sort of scaled down version. You can get in, it's big enough to get inside it. Um, How big is it? It's about the size of a door, normal door uh, okay. to get inside it. Yeah. And then it's two meters by two meters internally. Okay. Um, so an adult can go in it, uh, but yes, designed for kids really. And is it just shaped metal? or is it solid it's um been cnc cut out of um oh, okay bruce ply uh because that is really good in the outdoors uh so it's got to last outside for three months and then it's been painted uh pale pink brilliant so your blue hasn't had a look in no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and your wife's smiling at that. No, yes, you? yes. Um, She's very happy with that. <laughs> Does it double as a climbing frame, should I ask? Yes, it, yes. I imagine kids will climb on it. It's very attractive for climbing on. Yeah. Brilliant. And do you know where it's going yet as part of the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week? I hope it's going in front of uh, Kensington Palace, uh, because of the link with the Wendy House and Peter Pan and... J.M. Barry lived nearby as well. Yes, yes, that's right. He uh, lived in Kinston, Chelsea, and there's a, a sculpture uh, in Holland Park of uh, Peter Pan. Yeah, um, brilliant. And I wasn't aware that the Wendy House was named after Wendy from that film. Is that correct? Yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. Oh, I wasn't aware of that, and there you go. Or if it isn't there in Kensington, was it going to be somewhere else? Was it Holland Park? Yes, Holland Park, yes, is the second location. And but, being near the Design Museum would be amazing. Yeah. What made you want to be a part of the Kensington and Chelsea Art Week? Yeah, I think it was to say thank you, really. Uh, I wanted to make something to say thank you to broadly yeah. the church of Kensington and Chelsea uh, because turning up there, being a student at the Royal College of Art, living on the King's Road for a year, absolutely changed my life. And um, it's meant to be a little bit of a thank you um, to Kensington and Chelsea, really. You forever owe a debt just because something is there and that yeah. you witnessed it and yeah. become a part of it and it became a part of you. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. And um, where can anyone find what you're doing, Peter, be it website or social media? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've got a website, petermorrisarchitects.com, and that took a long time to come up with that name. <laughs> It's quite many, many meetings to sort of, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I'm on Instagram uh, again, which is Peter Morris Architects. But Instagram is the place where you see sort of weekly stuff that I'm sort of doing. Uh, yeah. That's where most of the up to date stuff goes is on Instagram. Brilliant. There's a question I ask every artist. If there was you and five other architects that you could show alongside at the Venice Biennale, we'll say, 
who would they be? I think the first guy would be a guy called uh, Ricardo Bofill, and he is a Spanish architect. Last year, we were really lucky to go and stop at one of his tower blocks, and it's called La Moya Roca, which means the red wall, and it's a postmodern sort of apartment complex in Calpe in Spain. And if you've seen the Squid Games, the staircase in the Squid Games, they used his staircase. And it is stunningly beautiful. It's probably the most Instagrammed building on the I was going to say, is that on your Instagram? Yes. I saw it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's just amazing. And, and, um, you know, very lucky to be able to rent a place there. Uh, there's an Airbnb in one of the apartments. Brilliant. And uh, it was really wonderful because, you know, you sort of, I've seen it lots and lots, seen loads of photos of it. But then when you live in a place, you really get to understand maybe why he's done these things. Yeah. For instance, there's a, a swimming pool on the roof. Um and it's in the shape of a plus sign. And you think, ah, that's just because he's playing around with all these squares, it's a plus sign. But then when you swim in it, you get that, oh, you swim to one end of the plus sign, you can't see any of the other people in the swimming pool. And so you you get like a bit of privacy in there. And all the staircases that are very famous in Squid Games, you can get lost on them very easily. And you kind of also, you think, well, I think he's done that on purpose to get you to explore other parts of the building yeah, rather than yeah. just going to your bit. Or um, So he would have to be on the list because it's beautiful. An architect from Lanzarote, uh, Cesar Manrique, who is more like a sculptor than an um, architect. And he did this very famous building where sort of white walls and because there's a lot of volcanoes on on Lanzarote and he allowed some lava to pour into the window and it's set and it's just stunning and he 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 digs out little caves in the ground and and the mixture of sorry Peter what year are we talking about 60s nice Uh, sorry yeah so yeah, and they look like James Bond layers. You Brilliant. Know. They, you know, it's all white and curvy and very sixties, and then some volcanic sort of material. Yeah, Ricardo Bofill was a similar sort of period. So yeah, I'd have to have those two architects. Can I have some artists in there as well? You can have whoever you like. <laughs> I'd have to have David Shrigley because he's a Brilliant. doodler. Yeah. Um, because I'm a total doodler and you know, sketcher and drawer, and I love his sense of humor and deadpan humor. Um, you know, I think humor's really, humor's really important in my work. I want it to be a little bit funny or silly and uh, frivolous, you know, or things like that. Um, and I'd also have Brian Eno, I think. Oh, yeah. Just for him to 
have some really interesting conversations with because he is the thinker the and he's got an amazing mind amazing creative mind yeah yeah i read his in the 90s i read his, he brought a book out called the diary and he just wrote a, bits in it for a whole you know just one year and the thoughts and the ideas that came out of this man's head are amazing it's brilliant when you come across someone like that isn't it yeah i I'd, I'd be lo totally lost with him i imagine in the conversation he'd leave me behind very early on i imagine yeah i think i'd be rather intimidated to be sat opposite him yeah 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 and then i think uh a pop star would be also good to put in the mix interesting who are you going to pick that would be damon albarn brilliant because i love his music and I think he does a really interesting thing. He he managed to take sort of avant-garde stuff into the popular. Yeah. And that's a really, really hard thing to do, an impressive thing to do. Yeah, damn good choice. That they would sit well together, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Peter, that's all my questions are. So all the very best of luck with the house and obviously, with the installation, wherever it may be. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. And I'll definitely pop down to see it, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, well, it'd be lovely to meet you. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for your time, mate. Thanks, All Gary. Best. Take Ta care. Bye. Hello, I'm the Style Aid Chilton, the director of Kensington and Chelsea Art Week and Art Trail. You've just been listening to one of our featured artists. Make sure to keep these dates the art trail starts on the 15th of June and lasts all summer and art week starts on the 22nd of June and ends on the 2nd of July. All of this information is on our website kcaw.co.uk. We look forward to welcoming you. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. So we wasn't dictated to by advertisers, we decided from the offset to go ad-free which means, obviously, we had to self-fund. So we set up the Ministry of Arts Patreon page. And without that support, we would not be able to produce this podcast. So if you like what you hear and you're able to support the podcast, just go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile. You'll find a Linktree drop-down box, which will direct you straight to our Patreon page. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can help keep us growing week by week. But if you're not able to do that, that's fine because this content is free for everyone. But leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to your podcast, that really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. Or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media. Everything is appreciated. But either way, thanks for listening. And until next week, Zadar. <laughs>